You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Um, I pastor Lavinia uh, Franklin in, in, uh, in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, uh, we are located between Hatcher and, and Liberty Pike. Uh, we are part of the Vineyard Movement. And uh, we uh, pastor, we planted our church back in 2014. It was amazing because um, I was a traveling musician. My wife would travel with me everywhere, and uh, I was I, I would preach every time I had a concert. I would preach, and then um, all these pastors and prophetic voices started speaking into my life and saying, "The Lord has a flock for you. The Lord is going to." prepare you into uh, another level of service. No privilege, but service. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> and, uh, and I kept receiving that word everywhere. It's like they were connected, like if they were talking to each other, but I was in Florida, I was in Texas, I was in North Carolina, I was in Tennessee, and the pastors were connected in the spirit, speaking the same words. And so I always told my wife that I was going to be a pastor, and my vision of that was probably my 50s, somewhere in there. <laughs> well, uh, he did not have those plans. So I was just 32 when he called me to the ministry to pastor. That was uh, in 2014, so now you know how old I am. <laughs> Even though I look 20, uh, you know. <laughs> So um, I, I went to the vineyard because my guitar player, he, he was part of the vineyard. And I said, baby, let's go and, and, and visit Mark. And so we went and Mark wasn't there. He was traveling somewhere else. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, I should have asked him or something. But we decided to stay in the service. The pastor preached, Pastor John, I don't know if you know him. Pastor John preached a wonderful message. And then he called um, to pray for people, and I felt that I needed to go. And so me, my wife and I went, and we pray, he prayed over us, and then he gave us a prophetic word. And he said, I see like an oil pump that is pumping oil, but there is a fresh oil coming into your ministry. I see that the Lord is going to do something new. And we looked at each other. We were crying. And we were like, okay, Lord. Okay, we got it. We got it. But we didn't know how, we didn't know when, we didn't know how that was going to look like. We just knew that the Lord was calling us into the ministry. Well, uh, uh, Pastor John invited us to go to dinner the same night, and then we were eating, and he said that he was walking by his property praying one morning, and the Lord spoke to him and told him, John, if you help my Hispanics, I will help you. And he did not understand how that looked, how that, how to, you know, eat that. He was like, help my Hispanic, but I don't have Hispanics. And so then he understood the Lord was calling him to start Hispanic ministry, but he didn't have a Hispanic pastor. He didn't have any Hispanic friends. He didn't know how to start. And there I come. <laughs> so it was a divine appointment. A divine connection. I came and our dreams and our prophetic visions collided together. 
And then we understood that that was the time that we were the man and that that was the place. <laughs> that sounded good. I think I'm going to write a book about that. Um, so after that few months, a uh, few months later, we were praying, we were together, you know, exchanging ideas and vision. And then on May 18th, 2014, we planted, we started La Viña, which is the vineyard in, in Spanish. And uh, we have been there for nine years and um, it's been an amazing journey. My wife, uh, as you as you know, she is um, she speaks English. That's his primary language. So it was a challenge for her to be in a Hispanic church, and it still is. But she speaks a lot of Spanish. So if you want to practice, go with her and ask her some questions. <laughs> she's really good. Um, she's she doesn't say that, but I know that. And people who knows her who knows her, they say that about her. So. Keep it up, baby. Keep it up. <laughs> so um, I know Pastor Mark for a few years, um, and, and um, we've been together in some uh, um, pastor's event, and uh, we just connected. We connected, and then he brought me here, and I connected with all of you. I connected with Pastor Josh. I connected with all pastors and, and friends, and I feel like Southview is my house. You know, I, I, it's amazing. In fact, every time I come here, I'm taking notes. I'm like, wow, I like the way they do this. Oh, I like the way they do that. Oh, I like that. And I'm just like, ooh. So you guys are influencing me and my ministry and our church greatly. So just know that, okay? So I'm going to continue on the message uh, of this, uh, on the series um, which is, uh, who are the people in your neighborhood? Uh, what a great title, right? Um, it's very creative, because he opens the door to a lot. And so I'm gonna talk to you today about a man's place in the community, okay? And uh, you know, I'm taking the, the title, I'm actually taking the subject um, also because it's Father's Day. And so um, congratulations to all the fathers, happy Father's Day. And for all ha that, that's to be also, you know, because even though you may not have kids, you are a father because you have a seed and you have a generation in your loins. That sounds good. Okay, I'm getting excited. And um, so I don't want to lose track. But um, so I heard that Pastor Will did a great job last week. Do you guys agree with that? I was amazing. I, I know Pastor Will. We played music together, and he's an amazing musician and an amazing minister as well. So he's, he's amazing. But um, when, it, when it comes to men, uh, we know that there is a war against men in society today. It's not a secret. But you know, the, the, the funny thing is that this is not new. It's been a war for a very long, long time. Actually, we can go back into the gardening of Eve, of Eden, not of Eve, of Eden. <laughs> and um, I want you to also, um, I want to apologize, or I want you to forgive me because I speak, my primary language is Spanish. So my mind is like 200% like, 
Like I'm speak, I'm thinking in Spanish and I'm speaking in English, you know. So it is, it is God. <laughs> okay. So, so if I say a word here and there, you know that you might see. What do he mean by that? Just have compassion on me, okay? <laughs> I promise you that the Lord is gonna speak to your life today. I mean, okay. So, where was I? <laughs> <laughs> so I would just want to tell you about this war that is happening in this world today. You know, when the Lord spoke to Eve and says, I will put enmity between you and between the, the seed of the serpent and your seed, the seed of the woman. That's when the war started. Okay, the enemy is after men. The enemy is after the seed of the woman, and the seed of the woman is the male child. So the enemy is not waiting for men to grow up to kill them. He wants to kill them while they are still teens, when they are still kids, while they are still babies, even unborn. He wants to kill men. That's why when we see Moses when he was born, the Bible tells us that Pharaoh, in order to stop the people of Israel from, from growing, he started killing the male children for the thousands. And the Bible said that God spared Moses because Moses was set aside for a specific or special calling in his life. But then we see also uh, in, in the life of Jesus, when Jesus was born, Joseph had to take him to Egypt because uh, he, they were looking to kill him. And so they were, uh, they were willing to kill countless numbers of children just to get to Jesus. So the enemy is after men. He's after fathers. He's after husbands. He's after sons. He's after the masculine voice in your life. He is after men. He wants to destroy men so bad that he wants women, when they hear the voice of a man, it becomes strange. Because he wants to silence men. This is why sometimes we see teenage girls so desperately trying to find a man, to hear the voice of a man or to feel his touch because the only man they knew wasn't there or if he was, he was absent. Absent. Absent fathers. Absent fathers figures. A world is needing men to rise to take their place in society, to take their place in our community, to take their place in our homes, and to take their place in their family. So the enemy is after men, and we know, for example, that children, when they grow up without a father or with absent fathers, can suffer lasting damage. We know that they are more likely to end up in poverty. We know that they are more likely to drop out of school become addicted to drugs, have, child out of, have a child out of wedlock, end up in prison, and the list goes on. So there is a war against manhood. In fact, in most countries around the world, women outlive men. 
Insurance companies know that. So they expect women to outlive men for 10 to 15 years. So most life insurance premiums are more expensive for men than for women because they are expecting the men to die soon. And that's what men do. They die. And most of them die stressed, wounded, heartbroken, asking themselves whatever happened with the dream we had. So if you ladies have a man in your life, you are to celebrate him. You are to cheer him on. You are to honor him. Maybe he's your husband. Maybe he's your dad. Maybe he is your fiance. Maybe he is your grandpa. Look into his eye and tell him, thank you for staying. Thank you for being here for me. Maybe he doesn't tell you I love you as often as you would like to. Maybe he doesn't talk too much as you would like to. Maybe he doesn't take out the trash. And maybe he's not very helpful with the kids. But just look into his eyes and tell him, thank you for staying. Thank you for being here. Because the enemy is after the man. Why? Because men bring order. Men bring stability to society. Men bring strength. Men bring vision. Men bring endurance. Men brings God into society. Now, in the other side, just for the record, I just want to let you know that it is also hard to be a man. That's why most give up on it. That's why most drown in the way of masculinity. That's why many of them, as early as 15, they get confused and they don't know who they are. In their 30s, they just collapse. That's why we see men, even in the mid-age, changing sex and going after men because they don't know who they are. But that's the devil's plan. That's the devil's plan. He wants to destroy Man, because men are priests. Examples and certain people that speak into our life and we need them when we don't have a man father or a, or a leader figure in our lives it affects everything in us it affects our identity in fact psychologists say that the identity in the kids is developed by the by the dad the identity of the family, the culture in the family is developed by the father. In fact, the father is the one that has the Y chromosome. He's the only one who can provide the sex in the, in the children. So the man has a lot in its plate, but 
it is hard to be a man because we don't have good, godly role models to follow. And so most of us grew up in broken houses. Most of us grew up in broken families. I myself grew up with an absent father. When I met the Lord, I was fine with him being my savior. When he said that he wanted to be my healer, I was very good with that. When they told me that he wanted to restore me, I was very, very pleased and, and so happy to hear that. But when they said that he wanted to be my father, I had trouble with that. Because I, the only figure, the only image of a father that I had was the one who left me. And so every time I would come to God, I would come with the fear in my heart that at some point, at some moment, if I just messed up, he's going to leave me and he's going to abandon me and he's going to leave me by myself in my own expense. So getting to know the Lord for me was a struggle because, because I needed to heal the image of a father in my life before I could see him as my father. And the only image I had was broken. So how, did, how, how, was, it, how was I able to restore that image? So the Lord brought godly men into my life. Godly men. That I, I, I still am thankful for them. They embraced me. They received me. They showed me what it is to be a man of God. They showed me how to love my family. How to be a husband. How do you know how to be a husband? My wife tells me that I'm a great husband. And uh, I don't take credit for that because I didn't have a role model for it. So the only credit I have is to Jesus. He taught me to be a husband. He taught me to be a father. So when we don't have the role model, it's hard to perform into a role that we have never seen anybody performing. And we have a lot of people showing us how to get started, but few that live long enough to show us how to finish. And you know, as men, it's necessary for, for us to understand that it is okay to be weak. It is okay to show our struggles. The reason it is important is because we have a new generation to raise and if we don't teach them how to deal with our weaknesses, how to deal with our struggles, when they deal with them, they will not know how to deal with them. If we always show them our good face, the way we do it in Facebook and Instagram, if we always show the best of us, and so what's going to happen, they are not going to relate to us. They may, not open, they may not even open their hearts to us because they don't feel that we can relate to them because they are struggling, but all they see in that is a perfect dad. And so sometimes I tell my wife, baby, it's okay. Let's share with our kids that what we're going through. Let's tell them and let's ask them to pray with us. So when the Lord answers and the Lord brings deliverance, so they will see how daddy and mommy fought their battles. How mommy and daddy fought their enemies. How mommy and daddy rose for the occasion and relied on the Lord. 
Because the best gifts you can give to your kids is no education, is no a car, and is not money. The best gift you can give to your kids is a healthy relationship with Jesus. And the only way to give them that is by you believing it. Because most kids don't do what they are told. They do what they see. I think I preached right there. I'm done for the day. I'm done for the day. I just leave that there a little rest for a second. So a good man is being hunted by Satan, by diseases, by cancer, by heart attacks, by curses, by AIDS, by infections, by perversion, by rejections, that a good man in these days is almost extinct. Come out from hunting men, devil. We, we have almost lost a whole generation. We have got to fight back. We have got to fight back. That was my introduction. You guys ready for the message? See, uh, we told you it was going to be, it was going to be, you got to brace yourself, okay? So the good thing about being invited in a church to preach is that I can get to leave. <laughs> and I'll leave you guys here dealing with your pastors. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's going to be good, okay? Um, I'm almost through. <laughs> So I want you to open your Bible in the book of Judges, uh, chapter 7. There is a, a, a beautiful story there about Gideon. Many of us have heard um, the story of Gideon. But we're going to jump into the verse 15. Verse 15. And we're going to start reading there. He says, when, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianites' camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in, their hands, uh, in the hands of all of them with torches inside. And verse 17 says something amazing. He said, watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Amen. This is amazing. I love this, 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 this story. Well, uh, just to give you a little background, um, Gideon was hiding because the Midianites were pretty much in control. So he, they, he was hiding. He was afraid. He, was, uh, 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 he, he thought of himself very little. He had a lot of problems with understanding his identity. And so the Lord came. In the middle of his struggle, because that's what Jesus does. He just shows up where we are. And he meets us right there where we are. 
And so he came and he met Gideon and he told him, he called him a mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor. So he thought he was talking to the wrong man. He said, mighty man of valor, but I'm the least of my family. I am just a kid, a boy, and my family is, the, is probably the least of the whole tribe. It's like you were talking to the wrong man. But the Lord did not answer his questions because sometimes that's what he does. He doesn't answer our questioning. He goes straight to his plan. And so he called him for the time because he was the man for the time, even though he didn't know, but the Lord knew. So when he calls us, it's not that we feel ready or we feel that it's our time. It's he says it is time, it is time. So Gideon understood that, and he accepted after many, many, many steps. He wanted to make sure that God was talking to him, so he said, Lord, uh, show me this first. If you do this, and then I believe that is you. If you do this, and then I believe that is you. And at the end, of course, God, compassionately, he did everything he asked, and he believed that it was the Lord. And so the Lord sent him, and he said, call all the men of Israel. And it's amazing because when he called, everybody volunteered. The Bible says that 30,000 came. 30,000 men. And so in first place, what is men's place in the community is to be a volunteer. We got a volunteer, okay? But here's the, here's the, here's the amazing thing that even though they volunteered, they were not all ready. And the reason they were not ready is because the Bible specifically say that they were afraid and they were trembling with fear. And so the Lord asked, asked Gideon, he said, ask then whoever is trembling with fear, don't come. Leave, go back to your house. And the Bible says that only 12,000 were left. So out of 30,000, and that's the problem with men today. We are willing. We want to have a good marriage. We want to have a good family. We want to have good relationship with our kids. We want to be successful in life. It's like we have the willingness in our heart to do a lot of things for God and a lot of things for our family. But we are full of fears and struggles and things that we deal with that nobody knows. And the big problem with men is that we don't talk. You know, we don't talk. We are, we are internal, so we process everything internally. And most ladies here can agree with me that every time you ask a man, what are you thinking about? What do they answer? Nothing. Because that's what we do. We, we, we don't talk. We don't share our thoughts or feelings. Okay? Because that's, that's the way men process. But the problem with that is that even though it is the way we do it, and sometimes it's good not to share your feelings with everybody, we sometimes trap ourselves in a cage. In a cave. And so when we trap ourselves in that cave, sometimes we can be there so long that we forget how to get out. 
And most men live in that cage forever. They die in the cage. Nobody ever knows them, not even their wives and their kids, because they did not know how to get out. And so they did it for self-preservation, but the self-preservation became their self-condemnation. And so what happened with men is that because they don't talk, so they are full of fear. And even though the occasion is set for them to rise and conquer, they are unable because emotionally they are not available. Mentally, they are not available. And so the wife and the kids are asking more of him. And he's trying his best, but his best is not enough because his best is 10, 15% of his capacity because the older 80, 85 is trapped in the cave. And so the Lord is calling men to come and meet him right where they are because even though we are in a cave, he is able to get us out. And the only way to get out is to realize that you are in a cave. And that's another problem. That most of us think that everything is okay. We act that we don't need any help. I'm okay. I'm completely fine. I'm completely perfect. But that's not the reality. And, and while we keep saying that and believing that we are going to continue giving and living our life with a deficit so emotionally we will not be available for our families and we can give them a few glimpses of happiness and joy here and there but it's not the best of us because the best of us is trapped and so the lord wants to call men to come out of the cave and he has the power, just as the son says, just as Lazarus came out of the grave. So no man can help you. No medicine can help you. No addiction can help you. Nothing that is out there can help you get out. It can help you um, leave the moment and forget that you are in that cave. But after that effect passed, you're going to go back to the same spot. So the Lord has the power, just as he called Lazarus, to call you out of the grave and say, Lazarus, come forth. So he has the authority to call you out of the grave. And those bars that have been holding you back in that stronghold that you have built yourself, he's able to bring it down because the arms, the weapons, and what he has, they are not carnal. They are spiritual for the pulling down of his strongholds. That's why men need to come to church. That's why men need to surrender to the Lord. That's why men need to bring their families to church because it is in the presence of God that we are set free. It is in the presence of God that we can become everything he called us to be. It was in the presence of God that Gideon came from being a lonely, solitary, afraid, trembling boy to become the leader of the people of Israel. It was by hearing the voice of God and drawing, drawing near to him. 
So Gideon knew what it meant not to have strong convictions like these men when they were told, hey, if you are afraid, you can leave. They left because they were not committed. They were willing, but with willingness, you cannot conquer the world. You need commitment. You cannot just say, oh, I would love to be there. I would love to do that, but then don't, don't do it. So one thing is willingness to do something about you and about your family. And another thing is committing to do it. And the commitment take, it takes a hard, a hard, a hard action on your part. But the good thing about it is that the Lord is offering his grace, abundant grace, so he can even feel effortless if you just come to him. And so the men call for societies to be a volunteer. And it's good to be a volunteer, but we have to cross that line. And the second point that I want to highlight here is that men not only need to be volunteers, they also need to remain on a spiritual alert. And, and I'm going to tell you what happened. So when God had the, the number reduced, he told Gideon, they are still a lot. If they win this battle, they will think that their own power over, overcame the enemy. And they are not going to give me credit because that's sometimes what happened with men. They trust in their own intelligence and their own money, in their own possibilities. And they accomplish a lot of things, and that's an amazing thing to do. But they lack the, the ability to praise and to give glory to God. And so we feel that we can do it. And that's why sometimes men feel a little, um, a little okay with themselves because they feel that they can accomplish anything. But the truth is that it doesn't matter what you have. What you have is not eternal. It is temporal. And money, possessions, and everything can come and go like this. Not only that, but you can buy a home, you can buy a house, but the house is not going to give you a home. You can buy a bed, but the bed is not going to give you rest. You can bring a woman into your life and get married, but that not necessarily brings happiness. So you can buy a lot of things, but they are things that money cannot buy. And so when you know those things, you understand that there is another value, another currency that you need to be able to purchase or to acquire those things. And that currency is not money, it's not success, it's obedience and surrender. And so when you are, and you understand that, you have to remain on a spiritual alert. So, so the Lord told Gideon, he says, take these people to the, to the, to the water springs. And watch what they will do, okay? Because the armies of, of um, the, the, the Midianites, they were just miles away. So at, at any moment, at any point, they would have, you know, 
uh, invading them and, and probably killed them. And so they needed to be on alert. And so what happened? The Lord told, this is the way you will find out who is in reality, who is ready to fight. And so whoever you see that drops knees in the floor and drink in the water with their mouth in the water, you're going to dismiss those, send them home. But whoever stays alert and grabs water and drink from, his, from the cup of his hand, that's the one that you will take with you because that's on, on alert. And so what happened, the number was reduced to 300. And then the Lord says, these are my men. Why? Because they are on alert. Okay? So what happened with men today? We are not on alert. We are not on a spiritual alert. Everything that you see happening in the world today is crazy out there, right? It is all spiritual. All, all those are demons. All those are demons. Okay, so, so if you don't understand that there isn't a spiritual warfare out there and you stay calm and relax and lay back in your reclining chair and just watch TV and let life happen, and then you're going to see very bad consequences in your family because your kids, even though they don't tell you, they are yearning for a dad who prays, a dad who seeks the Lord. Every family needs a man who surrender himself to the Lord and seek his face. And so what happened with these men? So these men were reduced to 300. And the Lord says, these are the people that I will take. Why? Because God wants us to be on alert to his voice and prepare for action. So the failure of men today is not that we do not have our eyes upon our enemies. It's that we don't have our eyes upon God. So prayer and meditations are the means by which men can accomplish that and see God. But these are activities that men, by a large, have surrendered to women. So not, not that we never practice any of it. It's not that we don't believe that it should be done. It's just that we just lay back and let our women take care of that. Better rely on, on our own manly intelligence, our own powers to persuasion, our own willingness to work 60, 60 to 7 hours, our own dog determination and high blood pressure to get the job done. In demonstration of that fact, that they were, re that they were real men, and that Gideon and the Lord had not made a mistake in their selection. Look at this. The little army of big men so they needed to follow exactly the instructions that Gideon was giving them. And so it is important for us to stay on a spiritual alert because there is an enemy out there trying to kill us and kill our families. And so if we are not watchful and make sure that we are drinking from the cup of our hands 
and not just putting our weapons down and forgetting that life is happening, that our kids are being attacked in the school, attacked in the streets, attacked in the jobs, that our wives are being attacked emotionally, that are being attacked mentally, that the enemy is after our family as well. If we men don't rise up to the occasion, we are going to have a chaos in our family. And the only way to overcome that is by my third point. It is setting up a standard of obedience to God. So what is the third thing or the third thing that men needs to be in a society is they need to set a standard of obedience to God. We need to learn how to obey God. But we need to also show how to obey God. We need to focus more on demonstrating our faith and living out our faith than just merely keeping it here in our head and continue to learn and grow internally, but we're not sharing anything externally. So these men, according to what happened here, um, they said, the Bible said that Gideon told them, watch me, follow my lead, and everything I do, you will do. And when I tell you to do certain things, you will do it. So we need men like that. We need men to show our boys the way of masculinity. We need men to show their daughters how a husband should be. How a man should treat a wife, a woman. We need men to lead our kids into their spiritual growth and development. We need men to, to lead spirituality and, and development in the family. And yes, moms, we need you so much. And we thank you for what you've done because out of the breast milk of your love, we have survived. But the problem is we cannot grow up if we stay stuck in the breast milk of your love. We need to get out and we need to learn from the man. So they obeyed exactly as Gideon said. And together they sounded the battle cry, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And this sound and light so shocked and startled and confused the Midianites that they started running. They drew their swords and started killing each other. And that obedience act, or that act of, of obedience brought confusion to the enemy's camp. And the enemy's camp started, being, started destroying themselves because that's what happened when a man decides to obey God. He brings confusion to the camps of the enemy. So when you rise and you obey the Lord and you show your kids how to obey the Lord, the enemy is going to start killing himself. All the traps that the enemy have placed for you and your family, they are going to be exposed. All the enemies have, that have set themselves against you and your family, they will be exposed because you are being obedient. But not only that, obedience is also the way we show that we trust him. Obedience is also part of our faith life. 
If we believe him, we obey him. If we trust him, we obey him. If we want to follow him, we obey his word. We obey what he wants from us. And now I want to tell you something very clearly, emphatically, that when the Lord asks something from you, he has already provided it to you. He will never ask you for something that you don't have. When he asks you for something, it's because he ha has already given it to you. So when he asks you to be faithful, he has given you the grace to be faithful. When he asks you to follow and lead your family, he has given you the authority, the wisdom, the discernment to lead your family in a godly way. When he asks you to get up and rise and accept his challenge in this time, in this era, he has given you the power, the authority, and the anointing to rise for the occasion and to say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. You know, one thing that uh, it reminds me of this story, and I'm almost through. I'm almost through, okay? One thing that reminds me of of, of wanting to hear the Lord is uh, the story of uh, Samuel. You know, Samuel lived, he lived in a, in a time where the word of God was very rare. Even in the temple, the Bible says that people were uh, like playing with the holy things. They were no managing well the house of the Lord. And nobody wanted to hear from the Lord except a little boy who the Lord called and he said, here I am, Lord. Speak to your servant. And, and I believe we are in a time, Pastor, that man needs to be like Samuel because nobody wants the Lord because the world is turning away from the faith. And in a world where no one wants to hear from the Lord, the Lord wants some Samuels to rise and say, Lord, speak to me because I do want to hear your voice. I do want to feel your presence. I do want to obey you. I do want to set a standard of obedience. I do want to be an example for my kids and my family. I do want to obey you and follow you. So obedience is the most essential part of our faith. And to trust is to obey. So when men say, I don't know my place anymore. I don't know what's expected of me. I don't know where I fit in. God's word teaches us men are place. And our place is in the presence of God. That's the place of a man. It's in the presence of God. If you are in the presence of God, you are in the right place. You don't have to struggle with fitting in. You don't have to struggle with being accepted. You don't have to struggle with being recognized. You don't have to struggle with, with being loved because you are in the presence of God. And the Bible said that there is fulfillment in the presence of God. There is joy unspeakable. In the presence of God, there is completeness. And when we are and we spend time in the presence of God, we are going to be life changers. We're going to be world changers. That deserves a big clap right there. Come on, come on. You, 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 you got better than that. <laughs> and so... 
God's word teaches us that we're called to a spiritual headship in, in, in our homes. So that doesn't mean that we make all the decisions any more than, than it, frees us, it frees us from giving bath to babies and reading bedtime stories. It doesn't mean that we get, you know, that the man sets his family a standard of obedience uh, to God based on on, on strength and on, and on efforts. It does mean that he sets his family a standard of obedience to God. So if anybody is in the family, in the family is faithful to God, he is. If anybody wants prayer to be said and scriptures to be read, man is. If anybody insists that the family rise up and attend Southview Church on Sunday morning, the church that Jesus loved, he insists that. If anybody tithes in the family income, he tithes. And once a church got calls a man to responsible manhood under the headship of Jesus Christ, and I believe children and youth, whether you have a faithful father at home, you will be impacted in your life if you have godly Christian modeling their faith in front of your face. So if the younger ever learn what it means to relate to God as a father, they will learn it being relating to one of God's faithful men. So it is important that we understand that it's not just us. It's not just me. There is a whole generation. There is a whole family. There is a whole generation of people who depend on on me who depend on you the statistics are against us Christianity in 30 years in the United States is not going to be the primary religion according to the statistics it's going to be the second or the third Today, most kids at the age of 18, of 19, they drop out of church. They never go back. Why? Why? Because the enemy is after men and after his family. And so we need to rise for the occasion. And we need to stand up and tell the devil enough. It's enough. We need to rise and say, time out, devil, from hunting men and destroying a whole generation. We have got to fight back. And just like the song, the way we fight back is on our knees. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. But the Lord cannot fight a battle that he is not being allowed to. So he has given men authority over the earth. And as men, we have the responsibility to allow him to come and influence earth with heaven. And when we allow him to influence our reality with the reality of heaven, then we see the miracles. Then we see the kids coming back home. Then we see the kids coming back to church. Then we see repentance. Then we see salvation. Then we see healing. Then we see restoration, broken marriages, coming back to the Lord. 
broken relationships coming to the Lord and being healed and restored that's when miracles happen when we allow him to be king thank you so much for listening to this message Southview Church is a non-denominational multi-generational multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus family freedom and unity in the body of Christ If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.